I'm Athena Silver. I'm Anya River. And we are the Rebel Crow. Athena is a professional psychic medium and tarot reader, among other things. Anya is a tarot reader and an astrologer, among other things. We are so excited to invite you to check out our weekly podcast, where we have fun talking about magic, tarot, mythology, astrology, and everything witchy. Find us on YouTube and on all major podcasting platforms at the Rebel Crow Psychic Show. Um, we put out a podcast episode weekly. Um, you can find more information at rebelcrowpsychicshow.com. Welcome back, everyone, to the Rebel Crow Psychic Show, Season 2, with your host, Athena Silver. I have an awesome returning special guest, one of our homegirls of the podcast, the wonderful Erica Buenaflor. So stick with us and we'll be right back. Let's get into it. We're talking to Erica Buenaflor, the curandera, the teacher, the spiritual person, one of my favorite authors of all time. We're talking to her about her latest book, Animal Medicine, a curanderismo guide to shape-shifting, journeying, and connecting with animal allies. It has been a fantastic read. Um, we're going to get into talking to her, but I just wanted to say hi first. So hi, Erica. Welcome back to the show. Hi, Athena. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I was so excited to read this book. You know, I'm like an OG fan and I've read all your work. So, <laughs> but this one has really hit me in a different stride this time. This book really um, connected a lot of dots with me when it comes to connecting with nature. So um, can you tell everybody a little bit about yourself? Absolutely. So I'm a practicing curandera uh, for mentoring, practicing well over 20 years. Um, my my principal mentors, they were from, I met, I met them in the Yucatan. So two of them were Yucatec Mayan and the other two identified themselves as Nahuatl. So basically what that means is that they were very um, proud of their indigenous culture, their indigenous background. So a lot of that got transferred onto me. And then so informally, that's a big part of my practice as a curandera. And then academically, I also studied a lot about ancient Mesoamerican um, indigenous traditions. So curanderismo, as you know, just so people, in case people don't know, it's a Latin American shamanic healing practice. Absolutely. And it's primarily Mesoamerican, but you can find some of it in the Caribbean as well. So yeah. it's, it's one of those things that kind of transcends the whole community, which is why like so many people feel called to it. Um, I have to ask you, what inspired this book? Because this book has been a little bit different than your previous books. Well, you know, I just felt like there was a, there just wasn't any, there wasn't any like of our mythologies. And I, and I mean like the, the indigenous mythologies and um, also our healing traditions, working with animals. And a big part of it is shape-shifting. You know, and there's all kinds of different, shape-shifting is just so big. It's not just, Absolutely. you know, the, the horror film, like physical shape-shifting. Um, but there's <laughs> a lot of healing in that. And, um, and you know, it's just that, that was just like missing. Missing from all like, all new age, all like spiritual books. And what was covered was an academic, um, which, but it's not very accessible. 
a lot of the time. (laughs) Absolutely. I know exactly what you mean by that. Um, Because I've been in the community myself for a while now. And I noticed that your books take a, a different approach. It's not just academic. It's not just spiritual. It seems like you merge both of these worlds in such a cohesive way where it's really like broken down for even the most like lay reader can understand what you're getting across. And to your point of um, shape-shifting, you're correct about that, especially because in the Latin American community, we have heard a lot of like scary sorceress kind of stories about shape-shifting. So it's been really cool to see, you know, shape-shifting for healing means. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's one of the, um, I talk about it in one, there were so many different stories. There were actually curanderics. There were healers mm-hmm. that would shapeshift and they would heal people. And um, it's it's actually recorded in one of the, the missionaries. And this is something that you know. It's a 17th century missionary. He's talking about this. And one of them is Ruiz. And he's talking to this, Alarcón and Ruiz. They're, um, he's mentioning, he's, you know, it's like, yeah, there was this gentleman who was, uh, he was a white dog. And um, when he came out of the room, you know, the wife started hitting him, hitting the white dog. And she actually hired this, this gentleman to heal her husband. And he comes out, I was like, why were you hitting me? And she's like, well, I thought you were going to do something. It's like, yeah, I was, I was, I'm the healer. I'm the curandero who's healing, working with your husband. That's one of the ways that I heal. So, I mean, it, this was, and the reason why this was like so just different is because we're talking about missionaries who were very, um, they didn't believe in any of this stuff. Oh, so yeah. If they wrote about that and, and, and they documented and they were like, okay, there's something. Cause, and they wrote so much about it. I mean, it wasn't just one. They're just like all of them wrote some, they all had some kind of interactions with some kind of shapeshifter. And I noticed that it's, it's a lack of understanding, like on a cultural framework kind of way um, with some of these ethnographers that have been writing from, you know, centuries ago. Like they are unable to lift their own religious beliefs or put them to the side in order to look at, through somebody else's eyes. Like you notice that there's little pieces that don't quite click there, you know? So it's interesting to see where you kind of fill in the gap, you know, to kind of open up the understanding of what these um, colonizers and ethnographers back then were really trying to get across. Yeah, and it's, it's still happening. <laughs> Oh yeah. <laughs> yes, that is it's true. <laughs> like it's it's something we do. It's so common. It's so common. Even when we meditate and we go in and we work with animals, and I don't want to get ahead of myself because I know you have a flow, we have a flow. But it's of it's course. a very common thing with like etheric, with astral. That's it's just so I felt that there was just big gap yeah. that needed to be filled. So that's that's what inspired me to write this book. It's like, okay, we don't have, you know, it's like what were the 70 like I didn't think of like, okay, this many number of animals, but it just so happened. I was like, let me look through all the animals that are mentioned. And those are the animals that are going to come out in the book. You know, whether it's in a codice, whether it's an artwork or some kind of mythology or all of them, you know, bring them all out and basically preserve our traditions, our history in a way that it gives us, um, it's a spiritual history, you know, yeah. that gives us a grounds us into our roots that grounds us into that because a lot of times I grew up hearing, it's like, Oh, well, it's so buried. You can't find that anywhere. You know, it's like, it's all just, it's, you know, it's like, well, yeah, you, you can, if you, if you dig 
and you look and, you know, you compare and you're able to be diligent in your research. And I felt that that needed to happen. And then how to work with them on a spiritual context, too, because that's still happening. I especially love how you always have a great color um, photos. It's stuck somewhere in your book. I love that you're able to show a visualization of it and break it down because a lot of times when we see these glyphs, they're so compact and so complex that it's really hard to really grasp what they're trying to convey there. So it's really nice to have like a visual and a written comparison of what we're looking at. It really brings a lot of depth to the information. Yeah, that's thanks to uh, LACMA, you know, that that donated, that actually, you know, gave us the permission to publish them. So wow. thank you, LACMA. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to them. <laughs> so now I want to tell you about my experience reading your book, because this is the first time, like, I have really had paranormal experiences while reading a book. Um, mm-hmm. I was I was reading it outside. I tend to, for whatever reason, read your books outside. I don't know why. That's just usually how it is. And the entire time I was hearing birds and I couldn't see them. Like they were an invisual sight. I, all sorts of birds. I even recorded some of them because um, and they were very loud. And I felt like, okay, this is making sense. Then I started to notice that there was these hawks that kept coming back and they kept swooping down really low, like right above my head, trying to get my attention. And this happened more than once. So, and then all sorts of bees started showing up. I had a bee in my house in the middle of the night that woke me up at about 3 a.m. And it, it just, so many of these currents. Oh, and I also saw a butterfly in my house. Um, it was just, it was one thing after another, after another. And I was taking your book like, okay, you should butterfly. Let's look what butterfly means. <laughs> <laughs> so I felt like reading this book, I grew internally as well. So I want to thank you for that. Um, but yeah, it was really kind of bizarre. <laughs> You're welcome. And it's, you know, cause it's, a, it's one of those things that animals are very intuitive. Animals, you know, and not just domestic animals, wild animals too, they're very intuitive. They can sense, I mean, they're very, they can sense energy. You know, like even insects, like like an ant, if you like put your hand, it doesn't necessarily see, but like before you even put your hand down, it already starts moving another way. Absolutely. You know, so it's it's when we start, when they, like when we set an intention that we're gonna be connecting with animals, that we're open to connecting with animals, animals will start coming over and courting us and we'd be like, Oh, you seem fun. I want to work with you. <laughs> That's exactly what it felt like with the hawk. Um, Oh, and I forgot to mention hummingbirds. I started seeing hummingbirds uh-huh. around my house. I've never seen hummingbirds as long as I've lived here. And I've been here about six years. So, and then my husband started seeing them too. So I, I didn't tell him it was from your book, but I, I knew. <laughs> them over your way. <laughs> yep. So I want to ask you more about shape-shifting. If you could touch a little bit on the different types of shape-shifting, because that part I found very interesting. So, um, you know, and this is something that I keep in mind, too. The way it was explained to me as well, um, and, and the way I know, and I've seen it, too, that there's, there's probably a lot more going on 
in a lot of the artwork and a lot of the practices, because we're talking about hundreds of different practices, right? Of of different kinds of healers, shamanic, you know, divination. So, and and most practitioners were skilled in more than one art. Mm -hmm. You know, that was, that was very common, very, very common. So, you know, so, you know, but generally what we have found, and this is something that a lot of, we know this too, like it's been accepted because a lot of the photography we've seen like with, with, um, with gaslighting, with different kinds of curly and photography, the auras around us, you know, yes. the, the subtle bodies around us. So one of them being etheric shape-shifting. And that's the most common where a lot of us, we go in and we go into a deep meditation. And I, I talk about this and, and I have different journeys in the book of how to go in and the etheric shape-shifting, it's basically when you allow yourself to start becoming that animal. You know, you start seeing, you start changing your limbs, you start changing, you know, if there's fur, if there's scales, and you start experiencing that meditation, that journey as that animal, you know? And, yeah. and then when you start d- building your, what I call, what, what was called soul animating energies, because all those things, you know, it's something that, and we all know it, meditation takes energy. That's why a lot of people, they, they have, they have a hard time and they fall asleep. Yes. <laughs> They're just Absolutely. like, Absolutely. You know, and I get it, you know? Yeah. It's, it, Which it, is it, why it, I like the method that you teach. For anybody who doesn't know, Erica does fantastic classes. A lot of her stuff is online now, so everybody can check it out. I've taken a bunch of her classes. The method that you use for journeying, I absolutely love it. Like it's so dynamic and and expressive and visual. And and I I noticed that after a class, like energetically, I'm wiped out. I can't even talk to somebody or form a thought. I'm so wiped out. (laughs) (laughs) But it's like you feel through the different breath work that you uh, teach, like the up and the down and the pulling of the energy and expanding. And it's very um, like physical and visceral as well as light and energetic. So it's, it's, I really like what you got going. (laughs) So um, one of the things too is, is that uh, when we start developing and start doing it on a conscious level, it's the soul animating energies. There's one being, um, which I talk about in my, my second book, Curanderismo Soul Retrieval, which is known as Tonali. That's, that's um, a lot of times when we have a soul loss, when, sh- you know, shaman or curanderics say, you know, oh, you have a soul loss. That's identified, that's associated with Tonali because that's the soul animating energy that can leave us when we have a trauma. Mm-hmm. You know, whatever kind of trauma it might be, it might be something, you know, something very specific, might be something continuous. So that tonali, it's like it that regulates our and re- balances all of our body, right? So when we have more of our soul pieces together, we have more energy. When we there's also another soul animating energy known as a teyolia that was associated with the heart. And all things had heart energy, right? So when yeah. it's like, those are like, you know, and I have like different ways of building that energy. One of them is very much working with, working with the sacred heart and self-love practices and various things. So when you start developing that Theolia energy, and, and that's why I always journey into the sacred heart with this, is you build that energy. Um, and then the Hyoro, that's very much the, our power of, of will. That's where around our solar plexus is at. That's when we can will something into being, when we can will our body into that. And we, when we build our hyoro, then we can get into more of the astral 
shape-shifting, where we can actually go into places and we can actually retrieve items. We can go in and we can, you know, clear things on a quantum level. We can clear things on a past life, present life, and we could do a lot more work as an animal in the astral realms. Because the astral realms, you're talking about the fourth dimension, right? So it's like building your energy. And a big way of like developing your hero is by like, for, for, for example, shamanic dancing. That's mm-hmm. a really big one is like moving that energy, shaking that energy. And it's, it's like building it, right? At the same time as you're moving it, you're shaking it. And another big one is like primal releasing. You know, this one um, uh, primal releasing breath work where, you know, you inhale and you shake and you shoulders back, chest down, it's ha! And then exhale, you relax your shoulders, you know? <laughs> I have a funny story about that. Um, <laughs> uh, a lot of times I have headphones in when I'm doing your classes. And once there was like in the beginning, one of the first classes I took from you, um, one of the parts that was the primal releasing and I came in, like I was in the room, my husband opens the door, puts his head in and goes, what's going on? <laughs> I said, don't worry about it. <laughs> so now when he hears it, he's like, oh, she's doing, okay, she's meditating. <laughs> but he could feel the energy release, you know, afterwards because it, it called him from across the house. Well, I must have been really releasing. <laughs> yeah, I had actually I had one of my clients. Um, he actually works with students, and they're like, um, I think they were these were junior junior. They're in their junior year of high school, so they're a little bit restless with everything going on with the online classes and everything. So oh, that's yeah. what I had one time was um, the primal breath work, and after, afterwards everyone was like, "Wow, that was really cool." Yeah, <laughs> it is. You feel better. <laughs> So now he knows. He's like, oh, okay, I know what's going on. <laughs> so, you know, it's 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 building that will. And that's that's the big one. That's the big one. We we can build that that sense of will. That's usually why I do a lot of the the primal releasing breath work exercises towards the latter part of my classes. You know, so people can drive home or people can like, you know, like function after a class. <laughs> Definitely. Way, you your classes get intense. Yeah. So um <laughs> so yeah. Um, so basically that's it. It's like moving that energy and the more animating energy you have, the different types you can do joining, which is like going into the body of an animal physical, and then the bilocation where you can be in your physical body and be in the form of an animal in another place. And that you need I, a lot of a for. It's funny because every time I read your books, I always try your journeys in there. Cause I'm like, I know they're going to be good. They're in here for a reason. So I tried the joining um, with the hawk that was flying over my head, kept coming back to my house all the time. And it was weird because I was aware that I was sitting in my chair, but I was also aware that I was flying with him and through him. I could feel the wings, like my astral part of my body stretch out as wings. And then I started seeing like a double vision where I could see looking down from high above and seeing my neighbor, like seeing my neighborhood, seeing my house, seeing my body. But I also knew I was here too. It was, it was very interesting. I've never done any kind of shape shifting like that before. I had only ever astral shape shift. So I was like, this is cool. I'm doing it again. <laughs> wow. Wow. That might be a co animal coessence. I have a feeling. Um, <laughs> and that's, that's another question I want to get into uh, with you. With the animal coessences, how do you know that between an animal coessence and an animal that just favors you or wants to work with you or a spirit that is just in a guise of an animal, like how do you typically discern? 
you know, it's, they come, they usually come out in very uh, specific points in your life. Usually they come out in, you know, we call it in the Western as a dark night of the souls, like some kind of transitional, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be a difficult time in our lives, but something, something that there's a transition. They make themselves known when we're, we're coming into being, you know, that's, that's another way of looking at it too. Oh, that makes so much sense. Um, <laughs> the start of the pandemic was when the hawk first appeared and I have seen him every single day since we went into lockdown. Uh, and it's just gotten more and more intense. I have gone and driven to different states and the, these birds follow me. Um, so like just piecing it all together, you know, it just, it, it paints such a big picture. Um, I also wanted to ask you about, you talked a little bit about a person's day sign and the connection with their uh, coessence animal. Um, would you mind speaking a bit on that? Cause that was very interesting. So um, the day sign is, is like, it's a, it's basically a divinatory sign. Um, and there's a few indigenous communities, um, a couple in Oaxaca, there's um, some quiche in uh, Guatemala that still practice. I'm actually mm -hmm. going to be making um, day sign cards too. Yay! Yeah, because like, <laughs> I can't find them anywhere. I'm like, I need these cards. <laughs> I know what you mean. I've looked for them as well. They don't they don't have anything related to day sign cards, which is fine because I would rather them be done by someone who knows the culture and the history and does it properly. So um, what was done was at the time that you were, you were born, you know, um, there was a, a, a midwife that basically did a divination. And one of the things was, you know, she identified your, your name and a lot of times it was a name that was associated with an ancestor indicating that you were getting the soul animating of an ancestor, essence energy of an ancestor, as well as possibly an animal as well, too. And sometimes um, there are some people that had like more that, that that continue to develop more soul animating energy by you know having the name of the animal. You know, it would be um, how, you know, uh, like something with the name of a squirrel. You know, like okay. Naranjo. it would be like, so it's like you were, you, cause what it was is it was a link. You had, you shared a soul animating energy with that animal. So at the same time though, some, something happened with a, a, like an animal that was connected with you. Something could happen to you too. Yes. I have heard <laughs> interesting stories through my family about that connection. Um, I had a, a very old family member tell me about one of her neighbors in um, the Dominican Republic, this woman, she, I think she may have actually been a distant family member, but she was shape shift into a cat and she would go and be a busybody and walk around and spy on people. And unfortunately, one night she was out, she got the cat as she shape shifted into her cat form was hit by a vehicle and, and injured. And the woman overnight got some sort of illness um, and it took like she recovered, but it took a really long time because I guess it, the way the injury occurred when she wasn't fully there, it, something must have happened. Again, this happened in like the 1930s. So, uh, so I don't know all the details, but I've, I've, when I was reading your book, I, I kept having these like memories come up from like stories I've heard around. So, you know, it's, it's interesting that you spoke about that connection in your book. 
Well, the, the connections that I mainly talk about in the book are the ones where you actually do engage in shape shifting into that animal because that person becomes that animal. You know, either it's a physical shape shifting completely, you know, of that animal, or it's a bilocation where you are. I mean, there's, there's, you are that animal. You know, there's, there's one that I talk about too um, that where the, the, you know, he's walking with his friends and it's like, they're, they're beating me. They're beating me. They're killing me. They're killing me. His friends are like, who's killing you? He's killing you. And yeah. you know, it seems like, you know, I'm being killed at this ranch. So he dies. And then, the, you know, the friends go over to that ranch and the ranch owner basically is like, yeah, I didn't kill anyone. I, I killed this fox. And um, the way that the fox died was the same way that the gentleman died. Yeah. Um, also with the stories with, with the, the cane that became Cayman too, you know, that one of them let, had a, a burn on her back and they also scorched the back of the Cayman as well. You know, so, and then one was like, the, there was a gunshot wound through the, the Cayman's mouth that Ooh. also happened with the, the lady too, when she was sewing, you just fell. And um, so, I mean, just, yeah, it, it's, uh, it's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> and it's interesting because, they're, these are coming from documentations from the missionaries because, and then yeah. it was more of them. It was like, they were talking about it and they were just like, okay, one of them was Serna and another one was Alarcon. They were both, and there were a few others that were also talking about it as well. And um, I mean, they were just like, okay, this is, there's something going on because we've had a lot of people come and tell us these things. Yeah, it's it's to a point where you're, you've really got to think, like, there's something going on here. <laughs> there's too many people who don't believe that are witnessing this. But anyway, Erica, it was wonderful talking to you again. And really, for your next book, you better come back on here and talk to us because it's been such a pleasure. For anybody who would like to reach out to you, how did they get a hold of you? So they can go to realizeyourbliss.com. And then I have a contact section there. They can contact me um, and, you know, they can just peruse. I have an about me page with like various, you know, about me, like if they want to watch videos, there's online linkias. I have a lot of resource there, resources there on the website. Absolutely. And can you give us a quick rundown of your Instagram and your, uh, your social media handles so we can all follow you and keep in touch yeah. with you? So um, for IG, um, it's Erica uh, dot Buenaflor dash Curandera. That's C-U-R-A-N-D-E-R-A. And then TikTok, it's Erica Buenaflor. And that's with the K, E-R-I-K-A, Buenaflor. And then it's dot Curandera. And then uh, I've been Facebook. loving your TikToks, by the way. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Seeing you yeah. making herbal remedies in your kitchen has been really fun. <laughs> yeah, thank you. <laughs> so for all of you back at home, I'm your host, Athena Silver. I'm a professional psychic medium, an intuitive healer, and a witch. Um, my website is readingswithathenasilver.com. If anybody would like to have a private reading with me, I specialize in tarot and mediumship readings. Um, all of my information is on the website. My Instagram is at athena.silver. My TikTok is at athena underscore silver. And my Facebook is readings with Athena Silver. We hope you enjoyed this awesome interview with one of our favorite authors here at Rebel Crow, Erica Buenaflor, and we cannot wait to read your next book and the book after that and the book after that. 
So um, we hope you guys had a great time and we'll catch you back, not next week, but the week after that. Have a great one, everyone. Bye.